Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Welcome along to Market View. This is, of course, Market Wrap of the Week with me, Imad Akhtar. Now, let's first check in on how Singapore shares are faring this afternoon. The STI opened in the red today. That's following overnight losses in the global market. Actually, it's trading flat at present at 3,181 points. Decliners are outnumbering advances 230 to 182 after 644 million securities worth 386 million Singapore dollars changed hands so far. Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX, is with me now. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm good, Imad. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Jeff, let's start off with how the STI performed this past week. Yeah, well, I mean, on the surface, it Mm. might look like it's consolidating marginally up, but uh, last week it finished at around 31.74, yep. and that downward momentum did continue on Monday, so much so that we formed our low of the week Tuesday at around 31.44. But then uh, we did find somewhat of a moderate bid tone, and we formed the high for the week at 31.97, and currently, as you said before, just trading at around 31.80. So while we're up maybe less than 10 points so far this week, the index has seen more than 50 points of moving within the week. Mm. All right. And who are the biggest movers on the STI this week then? Okay. So looking not just at the STI, but uh, let's say the 50 most actives. Sure. Um, because you get a little bit more sector variation. So you've got uh, energy uh, as has been an underperformer as well as REIT. So the, the, the five least performers of those 50 over the first four sessions of the week. Rex International, Semcorp Industries is there, as well as Capital Land China Trust, ESR, Logos Street, and Lendlease Global Commercial REIT. But on the upside, you can see a thematic definitely there. Citrium's among the five strongest plays, and right. that announced its successful delivery of its second jack-up rig. And of course, it's part of this sort of segment of companies that are pivoting towards sustainable infrastructure and more fuel efficient transportation. I think it's net order book of close to 20 billion sing uh, right through the till 2030 is about 40% renewables. But the remaining four are all high tech. They're mm. tech plays. Uh, AEM Holdings was up 10% for the first four sessions of the week. UMS was up 9%. Nanofilm was up 9%. And Franken Group up 5%. And those four tech plays, they've been strong on the back of NVIDIA's results uh, and their outlook for generative uh, artificial intelligence. Mm. Uh, and that outlook boom, I guess, fueling demand for semiconductor chips. Sure. Now, we had some pretty explosive news at the start of the week. Singtel reported that its net profit for the first quarter ended June the 30th of 2024 fiscal year dropped 23.1% to $483 million. That's from $628 million in the corresponding year ago period. Jeff, why such a significant decline here? Yeah, that, well, that decline was mainly attributed to the net exceptional loss uh, from its associate company, Airtel, which I think made up around $88 million of those numbers that you, you spread out. Right. Um, it's, it's operating revenue and earnings for interest tax, depreciation, amortization, et cetera, the EBITDA, was, was down uh, two point, I think it was, I'm not sure, but it, it was down and, and dragged lower by uh, 9% decline in the Australian dollar. So, so that's the two, two, two big aspects of it, that Airtel net exceptional loss and that decline in the Aussie dollar. But all in all, though, 
Singtel was, he's trading at what, $2.33 now. That's where sure. it was this morning. It ended last week at $2.34. So it's not down very mm. much. And it implies the results were pretty much in line with expectations. And of course, you know that Singtel reports about half its total revenue to Optus Australia. Mm. And investors, they do follow the Singapore dollar to the Aussie dollar exchange rate to assess the outlook for the stock, informing those expectations. So mm. since the end of June, the exchange rate of the, say, one Aussie dollar has depreciated from around um, 90 Singapore cents to 87 cents Singapore mm. cents. So, so Aussie has continued to depreciate as well um, uh, since the end of June. And I guess in the Singapore-focused business, yeah. the operating revenue was down close to 2%. That was due to two things. Firstly, the decline uh, in legacy carriage services, um, which has continued. And Secondly, all this intense price competition in the mobile business. So the declines in international data, pay TV and voice, they were, I guess, partly mitigated by higher mobile service revenue. Mm -hmm. Now, there was some good news for another big name, that's Grab, which posted a $135 million US dollar net loss for the second quarter ended June the 30th. That was narrowed from the loss of about 547 million USD in the same period a year ago. How did they manage that? And it must have done wonders for Grab's share price. Yeah, it did do wonders. It, it, so Grab ended last week at $3.24, $3 US 24 cents, so sure. $3.24. Yeah. Uh, and currently at uh, US dollars, $3 US dollars and 66 US cents. So it's, okay. it's up quite strongly. Yeah. Grab, Grab's listed on NASDAQ. It's not actually listed on SGX, mm. but I do know that Money FM does have many listeners who do work pretty hard at Grab, so it's, <laughs> it is indeed very good news. Yeah. Um, Grab Grab Holdings, it also reports, I guess, all its revenue to Southeast Asia. Sure. So this is not just a Singapore thing or, um, or a Malaysia thing. I think um, last year, Grab Holdings revenue was, was about 36 million. 36% Malaysia, 21% Singapore. Mm. Um, what they attributed to was deliveries, the gross merchandise value. It grew uh, year on year to hit record highs. Mm. That's been supported by their continued push on affordability initiatives, which which um, has also helped them to expand their Grab Unlimited subscriber base. And mm. Anthony Tan, he did say that more people are using Grab today than ever before. And that's has seen Grab achieve its highest monthly transaction users to date as well. Mm, okay. Now, Jeff, moving on to the economic front, CPI data was released here in Singapore on Wednesday. Core inflation, as well as headline inflation, eased. Uh, was this in line with your expectations? Yeah. The cons- so the consumer prices rose at a slower pace. And that's what, for three consecutive months, it's done that now. Mm. Um, and, and contributing to that was the smaller increases in food prices and falls in the cost of electricity and gas. So headline inflation, I think it was down at 4.1% in July from 4.5% in June. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got lower private transport inflation contributing there as well. So largely in line with what the median forecast was, I think 4.2%. Right. So I mean, just slightly below. And core inflation, I guess, which which excludes private transport and the accommodation costs, 
dropped to 3.8% year-on-year in July, and that was down from 4.2% in June. So this this is exactly very much in line with expectations. In fact, this has been the order, Imad, all year from, right. from the private sector economists as well as the, the uh, MAS and so forth. Right. Now, some of those economists have said that the pace of inflation in Singapore will continue to slow this year. Are you in agreement with that opinion? And if so, why is that? Yeah. So we're expecting more easing in the yeah. months ahead. And, yeah. and as I said, that's been the expectation. I think two key reasons, tighter financial conditions and uh, decelerating growth. So this implies less demand-driven inflation is in the outlook. Um, and at the same time, the supply side for the outlook uh, is 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 contingent on the efficiency and supply chains continuing to remain uh, operating very fluidly, and the ability, obviously, for commodity prices to keep range bound. So all this, um, you know, less demand driven inflation, less supply driven inflation, it keeps inflation expectations anchored to a slower pace. But mm. the, the the thing is, though, markets do remain very wary, as do consumers. Um, so we, we do expect this slower pace of inflation with the decelerating growth and the tighter financial conditions. But we did see with that UOB survey this week, which I, which I read about in the in the Business Times, mm. that there are top concerns of uh, top concerns of Singapore consumers do include rising inflation and increased household expenses mm-hmm. and long term financial commitments and so forth. So mm. um, yeah, every, we're very much watching um, those those moving variables at the moment. Obviously, energy prices are coming off a little bit from their mid year lows. And it's impacted inflation in the advanced world, but uh, at the same time, you've got the decelerating growth also creating a little bit more of a challenge and therefore uh, reigning in some of that demand-driven inflation. Okay. Now, other news that made the headlines was the Singapore government's plans to raise between 2.3 and 2.8 billion Singapore dollars by offering 50-year sovereign green bonds at a coupon rate of 3%. Can you shed some more light on the purpose of this initiative and what the government is hoping to achieve from it? Sure. The the bonds, they're called Green Singapore Government Securities uh, Mm. for Infrastructure. So it includes, I think, a tranche of 50 million Sing that will be set aside for retail investors as well. And, and it's the second in a series of these sovereign green bonds issued under the Singapore Green Bond Framework. Uh, what, are, what, what are we looking to achieve? I, I think a, a key aspect of the green label for the bonds is that the proceeds will be used to finance expenditure and support of Singapore Green Plan 2030, mm. which includes two uh, new MRT lines. I think it's the Jurong region and the Cross Island uh, line. And, and then the government also has indicated there is a pipeline of up to $35 bill, billion Singapore dollars of sovereign and public sector green bonds that will be issued by 2030. So, uh, yeah, basically this is, a, this is a, a longer-term initiative taking us through to 2030. Okay. Now, let's focus on the big event that is taking place today and tomorrow. That's the Jackson Hole Symposium in the U.S. state of Wyoming. It's the biggest annual gathering of central bank leaders on the planet. Jeff, what is the Fed signaling it will do and how might this impact markets both here in Asia and in the wider region? 
Yeah, it is the big event, and the big guy, uh, the FOMC chair, <laughs> will speak at yeah about ten o five this evening uh, yeah. Singapore time, and and you can actually watch that stream live from the from the Jackson Hole Symposium website. Okay. I think you have to go to the the US uh, FOMC for Wyoming to to do that. Uh, last last year. It was interesting, and and I guess you know you're asking about this year, but just just for context, last year, the the Fed chair said that the FOMC was quote taking forceful and rapid steps to moderate demand, so that it comes into better alignment with supply and to keep inflation expectations anchored. And back then, you had the PCE core deflator, their preferred gauge of inflation in the US, that was running at four point eight percent. Now it's at four point one percent. Back then. Core CPI was at 5.9%. It's now at 4.7%. So you can see there's been some progress, yep. but has it been enough? Yeah, we don't know. The, the GDP in, in, uh, in the US for the second quarter, it was up 2.4%, which was more resilient than thought. And you have now 95% of US companies that have reported their second quarter earnings. For every one stock that missed earnings, two have beat earnings. So that bodes well for growth. Um, But now what the Fed chair says tonight will have implications on the outlook for rates going into next year. Mm. We have three FOMCs remaining before next year. There are expectations rising that there will be another 25 basis point hike before the final 13th of December FOMC this year. They've Mm -hmm. been gradually climbing over the past month, rising over the past four weeks from around 30% expectations to 45% expectations. Mm. We also have four incoming FOMC voters next year, Tom Barkin, Raphael Bostic, Mary Daly, and Loretta Mester. Mm -hmm. And Loretta Mester, who's the Cleveland head, will be speaking uh, at the Jackson Hole Symposium. Uh, You'll also have ECB president. You'll also have the uh, BOE Deputy Governor for Monetary Policy also speaking. But the key thing is, I think, as long as the US economy keeps growing above 2%, the more the Fed can keep rates higher for longer to really root out all those price pressures that have come with the demand and supply disruptions that they've seen over the past three and a half years. And this also helps Asia because Singapore's Nautics to the US, it was up 34% year on year in July. Electronic Nautics was up 12%. Non-electronic Nautics was up 39%. Um, this this helps, but of course it did not fully offset the 20% year-on-year contraction of Singapore Nordics to China. Um, so this objective, I guess, of a gradual soft landing, it may go down right to the wire and it will impact US Treasury yields. It will impact the US dollar, how high they go and for how long they go. Uh, and by extension, that Im- impacts the Asia economies that the US does maintain capital flows and of course trade flows with. So I, I think... There is a pretty direct impact even here in our stock market. When you look at the rates, they directly impact the day-to-day trading of our three most traded stocks, DBS, OCBC, and UOB. The net interest income uh, comprises of net interest margin and loan growth, so that net interest margin is a large function of interest rates. And those three stocks, they make up about 25% of our day-to-day turnover, and net interest income is about... 65 or 66% thereabouts, two-thirds of the total income of the bank. So when you look at it, 
it's fair to say that more than 20 cents in every dollar that goes to work in the SGX stock market every day mm. is very relevant to the net interest income and the outlook for interest rates uh, through those three banks. Very comprehensive analysis there, Jeff. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that was a long one. Sorry. You, were, you, you threw big in there a lot, so I had to give you a big answer, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And you did. You did. Um, now, before I let you go, is there anything else investors should be looking out for uh, in the next few days or next few weeks? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, even on Monday, you've got another semiconductor-related company reporting, it's, and it will be reporting its full year, uh, financial uh, year for 2023 results on Monday. That's Micromechanics. It's sure. a manufacturer of high-precision tools that are used in semiconductor and high-tech industries. And that company state, when it last reported uh, three months ago, it, it, it believed that the semiconductor industry uh, would continue to slow uh, in its final quarter of its fiscal year until these excesses and supply and demand imbalances ease. ease. So um, at the moment, AI, degenerative AI is looking very much forward in 2024, so it remains to be seen at what stage does the um, contraction mm. in, in high-tech manufacturing actually start to turn, but it, it yet to turn. At the moment, everything is is definitely very much forward-looking. We, of course, have polling day on the 1st of September for the presidential election. Yep. We will be closed for trading in the Singapore stock market that day. Across Asia, you have India's second quarter GDP, you have China's official manufacturing and non-manufacturing PMI, and Indonesia's CPI is also due. You also have August trade data, which is very much moving like Singapore trade data uh, for South Korea. Um, and you've got payrolls on the e- next Friday evening for the US. Fantastic stuff, Jeff. As always, a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. That's a pleasure. Thank you, Imad. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.